Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with agency owner and podcast strategist, Alicia Galati. She runs a full-service podcast management company and helps business owners launch and maintain lead-generating podcasts. She lives in sunny North Carolina with her husband, two small boys, and a rescue pup. When she's not working, she is hiking, chasing her kids around, or watching the latest Star Wars with her husband. Her company has launched 15 podcasts and produced 20-plus podcasts shows every single week, working primarily with business owners who want to use their podcast to grow their audience, land them speaking gigs, or land new clients. Enjoy this interview. Thanks for taking a minute out today. Yeah. Before we get into your life as, you know, kind of a Mm -hmm. podcast strategist and agency owner, I want to know how you survived the last few years with COVID. (laughs) How did you get through it? And how did that time period change not only the way that you live your life, but the way that you approach business overall? Mm, so, man, it's been interesting. I have, um, I've always been the sole financial provider for my family. I have a husband and two boys. They are eight and five now. Um, and so my husband was a stay at home dad for the last, uh, four years now that he's been a stay-at-home dad, so before (laughs) pre-COVID. And uh, when COVID hit, I actually got let go from my job. So that was, like, really jarring. I had spent the last three years before that kind of dabbling in the online space, testing different things, trying different things, and I decided I wanted to go into podcasting because I had launched my own two podcasts. And then when uh, COVID hit and all that stuff happened, I was like, you know what? Okay, universe, is this the kick off the ledge that you're, you know, trying to have me do? Um, and then from there, just took my business full time and uh, didn't look back since then. And it's, it has not been easy at all, um, especially living in a house with having my children still here all the time and my husband here all the time, setting lots of boundaries and work schedules and all that stuff. So, it's been a journey. I would imagine with kind of the bread and butter of what you do is podcasting. I've noticed on my end that transformation from it seemed like everybody wanted to go to video with podcasting. Mm-hmm. And now there's kind of been a reversion because of COVID to audio. So it seems like maybe business is boomed for you. Yeah, it has. I was, and even like we've been dabbling into audio courses as well. Um, which has been really fun. I've really enjoyed that. We partnered with a invest, a real estate investment firm last year. They're going to partner with us again this year to create audio courses for them, as well as a private podcast feed for them. So that has been really interesting. And like, it's not just the podcast side. There's also other avenues to use the strategies from podcasting into other spaces. So let's kind of simplify what you do for a day job. And I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. (laughs) Okay. And one of the kids is going to look up at you and say, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? I make podcasts for people. Most third graders know what podcasts are, which is fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. So I usually just say I make podcasts for people and they're like, oh, my mom listens to podcasts or like, um, you know, my kids listen to podcasts. We have them listen to podcasts. There's lots of uh, podcasts are, uh, out for kids. Um, like, you know, those things, the stories on Spotify, like that. <laughs> you know, and chances are some of the kids are already making podcasts, too. I know. 
you know? It's a weird yes. thing. I mean, I remember when it all came out and started, people were confused, and it's like it's just something that Steve Jobs coined because it's on a portable player called a pod, uh-huh. an iPod, you know. Um, yeah. So when you were in the third grade, what did you envision for your life? What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. Anything between a teacher, which, good Lord, I could not. Kids are the worst. <laughs> Mine are crazy, and I don't know how my husband homeschools them. Um, I tell him every day he's incredible because I could not do it. Um, I wanted to be either a teacher or a a doctor for kids, <laughs> pediatrician. So, so with things the, the way they've worked out, are you happy? You know, I mean, we all have these dreams, and then reality settles. Then, are you happy? I am. I honestly, I. I'm obsessed with what I do. I love what I do. I think it definitely comes across in when I talk about it. <laughs> um, I get jazzed talking about podcasts, which I don't think people say jazzed anymore, but that's okay. Yeah, well, that's that's my bread and butter is jazz. So that's that, that's one of my main vocations. <laughs> so it's good. We'll, yeah. we'll 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 highlight that word. So, um, you know, all of these things that we do in our lives happen in the beginning. Seeds are sprinkled, whether we know how they manifest or not. Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how some of these seeds got into you to become somebody that wanted to wanted to do podcasting and sharing yourself with the world. Mm. Um, so I actually grew up in a ultra-religious ultra cult, um, which I talk pretty openly about. Uh, and so there was a lot of don't talk, don't let your voice be heard, only listen to the leader, what the leader says goes, and that kind of thing. And so I, what I love about what I do now is being able to amplify voices no matter what they're saying. Uh, usually they're in alignment with what we value as a company and what I value as a person, but being able to amplify their voices really inspires me and hits home on that those values that I, that I hold dear. Um, but yeah, I think, man, another thing is that growing up with a single mom and the oldest of five kids, so there was always like the worry of where's our next meal going to come from until we joined the cult. And then it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. We're being fed three times a day and mom is good and like all this stuff. But then as I grew up, I was like, wait, this is not okay. Um, and so providing for my family has always been my number one priority. And so even though I am an agency owner and I know that a lot of people who start agencies have a hard time to paying themselves, but that's really important to me. So I keep my team really lean. I make sure that I pay myself and my team a living wage. Like those are really, really important things um, that from my past I've been able to kind of use to create the business that I want to have. So I would assume that you would dub yourself like a cult survivor? Yes. <laughs> okay. So For sure. What was, what was the breakthrough? What was the moment where, you know, we always have those moments of clarity that are, are a time where, you know, you're awake. And how did that happen for you? That would be when I, so I was homeschooled through the uh, cult. And after I was, like, getting ready to graduate from high school, um, through the program that they had, I was able to get a degree rather than having to get my GED. And I wanted to go to college. I, and they were like, well, if you go to 
any college or if you go into the military or whatever, you will not be able to come back here. And my family was still in there at that time. And that was the moment where I was like, what? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So I can't choose what I do with my life, even though I, I want to do incredible things and I want to help people and I want to like change the world and I'm totally into this whole religious thing. Like that didn't matter. It was what they wanted me to do, which was go to a Bible college that they were affiliated with. Um, and so I did because my parents, my mom was still in the cult. All of my younger siblings were still in the cult and uh, we didn't get out for another, I was 21 when my mom left. So 18 to 21 <laughs> that I was uh, still there, even though I, I knew what it was. So the one thing that's very, very key in our lives for those people that lift this up, the role models, the heroes, who has been that for you in your life? I honestly, I haven't been asked this question in a very long time. I used to always say my mom, um, not in that she was a hero, but it was always a looking up to her to see what I didn't want my life to become and what I wanted to do different with my life. Um, I don't even know that I, I have a hero other than like, this is who I, my future self, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know what I want to be and I know where I want my, my life to go. Um, so looking forward to that has always been kind of my driving force rather than a hero. And I think so, that comes from being in the cult and like, seeing that kind of quote-unquote hero worship of the leader um, in not looking at someone uh, as a hero, but rather, what do you want your life to be? So, yeah, I, I think that's – I've never thought about that. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I hear I, – I get that answer a lot that people will will look at things in their lives they don't want to become. And I think that's just mm -hmm. powerful, just as profound as – somebody that makes you want to, you know, change because they're good. So, yeah, yeah, we we are definitely motivated by different forces. So let me ask you this. Of all the people that are alive on the planet right now, who would you love to meet and talk to? Oh, man. That is something I would have to think about. I think that... Or, or we can even frame it this way, based mm -hmm. on your previous answer. Is there someone that left you early in life that you would love to have had more time as an adult to talk to? I would say my mom, <laughs> honestly. So she passed in 2019 due to a fentanyl overdose. Or fentanyl was in her morphine and caused an overdose. And, like, so after she passed, my sister and I started a podcast called Two Sisters and a Cult. And it was our way of, like, processing why she joined the cult, um, really studying it and understanding it. And I would want to know if what we came to and the conclusions that we came to, if those are accurate. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would say her. <laughs> so every day you wake up, every day you get out of bed, you're motivated. There's things that you look forward to. What is it about your job that moves you, that motivates you to, to, to be as good as you can be at it? Mm. Seeing the results that our clients get, I think, is what really keeps me going, um, as well as just the love of the medium being able to talk and without having to like see my face uh, and using my voice to impact people's lives, but seeing the results of our clients. So we typically work with business owners specifically who are using their podcast to generate leads back into their business. So like we've had clients say, Oh, I had a potential client come on a call 
And they said they binge listen 19 episodes the day before, and then they want to join the program, you know, or whatever. So things like that. Or we had one client where she recently met a fan in real life, and this person was fangirling hard on her. She was like, this is so weird, but I kind of love it. But it's also nice to know that, like, people are enjoying my podcast. And so that gave her renewed fire um, in the concept that she was creating. So things like that, they just make me, like, excited about what we do, that we are behind the scenes, yes, but we're able to make a, a real impact. So let's go to the end of the day. How do you quantify a good day? How do you get to the end of the day and say, hey, that was a good day? Hmm. Usually once it's five o'clock. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do have like a list of tasks that I do need to create or need to do within the day. So if I do get those done, I might say, you know, hey, let's go and go to the bookstore because my kids love going to the bookstore. Let's go to the bookstore. Um, let's get some coffee. Let's get some snacks, whatever. Um, things like that. But being able to feel, I think having an office helps too because I can shut the door and be like, and I'm done. Um, but yeah, I think just getting to the end of the day, feeling accomplished is that I'm able to check off things of my to-do list, which are always things that are going to either drive the client's podcast forward or the business forward. Talk to me a little bit about one of the best client responses that you've ever gotten, one of the best fan letters, so to speak, that you've ever gotten from the work you've done. Mm, um, that would be for the people who we had one client where she started her podcast on her own and realized really quickly that it was just a lot of work and more than she actually wanted to put in. And so she reached out and started working with us and she sent us a note just a few weeks with working within working with her and said that it felt like such a relief. She had hours off of her plate. She didn't have to worry about the podcast. She knew that it was taken care of, that it was handled, which really, and that was in the beginning of the business. So that really helped us realize, like, that's what our clients want. They want to not have to worry about it. They don't want to have to do, and like, the A to Z of promoting it or deciding the content. Like, we can help with that. So I think that... um that was the biggest and the greatest uh, fan letter that we got. So, you know, the one thing, I mean, everybody hears podcasting and there's people that are curious about it, but there's a lot of people that don't know how to do it, whether, mm -hmm. you know, getting the right equipment, recording it, you know, putting it out on a platform that will become an RSS feed and having an audience and doing all of that. So is there any way that you can kind of explain in layman's terms like what you do when a client comes to you and says, look, I have an idea and maybe they've never, they've never recorded one, but they're ready to do it. They've got a background. They got a story. How do you get them to a point where you lay out this plan? What's kind of a boilerplate notion of a plan that you would do that would help somebody listening right now to say, yeah, I want to hire her. This is what I've been looking to do. How would you do that? Yeah. So we would actually determine pretty first, right? First and foremost, if they have the audience already established for that message, like, yes, anyone can start a podcast, but the people we typically work with are already established. They already have that audience. And that way we can make sure that we're getting them those results um, rather than someone who's maybe 
winging it. We want someone who's going to be serious about their show. Uh, and then next we do that market research, which I think that a lot of people don't do in the beginning of launching their podcast. They just think, you know, they see those courses that say launch your podcast in 48 hours or launch your podcast in two weeks when really you shouldn't be launching anything. <laughs> in two weeks or 48 hours, put some thought into it, put some effort into it with millions of podcasts out there, though there aren't that many producing regularly, there's still a lot for people to choose from. So you want to make sure that you know how you can set yourself apart. We do that research for you, how you can set yourself apart, what kinds of things you can talk about, what is it that your audience actually wants to hear, and how can you make sure that it's tailored to how you like to talk to your clients or how you like to talk to people about what you do. Um, so that's usually that first step. And then we go into, all right, let's create those initial episodes. Let's make sure that you have those first 10 planned out because a lot of people stop at seven. We don't want you to stop at seven. Get those first 10 planned. And then we handle everything. So literally our clients come into the meetings. They tell us about themselves. They tell us about their business, about their audience. And then we do that market research. We help them plan out those episodes. They just have to record, make those final decisions, and then we roll it out everywhere it needs to go. So our services are for the people who are like, I want to do it. It sounds cool. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to know how to do it. I'm better in my zone of genius. Here, Alicia and her team have fun, which that's what we like to do. You know, you're in a unique situation with the life that you've had and what you've, you know, had to overcome. And I'm curious, if you have a dream tonight and you run into the 20-year-old version of yourself and you could give mm -hmm. that version, that younger version of you, a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life, the roads you've been down, the lessons you've learned, what would you tell your young version? Hmm. I think the one thing that I would tell myself, well, I would, I would say two things. One, trust yourself. Because I don't think I trusted myself very much, uh, especially having gone through the cult. I always had to put my trust in other people. And so the idea of trusting myself and my own decisions felt really scary. So I would say trust yourself. And the second thing is take care of you. You don't need anyone to need you. You need to just take care of yourself. So everyone out there has a perception or idea of you. You play different roles. You know, you, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're a parent, spouse you know, business owner, you know, family, friends, clients, all these people, but ultimately you're in control of your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> I think that I am insightful. I think that I am someone who stands really strong with my values and strong with the world that I want my kids to grow up in. Um, and I do everything I can to push that world forward, um, whether it's through the decisions I make or the people that we work with and the content that we produce, being able to, like, I don't have to be the front in front and center ever. Uh, it's, I love being able, I'm someone who loves to be able to push the voices of others. And I love that about me. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, you know, that's the thing I think that's big about life is that when you understand the best role that you fit in, you're going to be just that much more effective when you work with others and help others. And I think especially in the realm of podcasting, I think yeah. this is as, as prevalent as it is from my experience, there's still so many unknowns. There's still so many 
parts of this that you can learn from, that you can figure out that's a continual learning process. Yeah, for sure. So let's get to the good business of your life, your business, everything revolving around your world. If anyone out there wants to hire you, learn more about you, anything related to you, where do they go? Yeah, so if they're listening to this on a podcast app or listening to us anywhere, uh, they can go to listenerstoleads.com. Uh, or search Listener Sleeds Podcast in their podcast app. Wonderful, Alicia. This has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for, uh, you know, kind of opening this podcast world up and your personal story of overcoming. And uh, good luck in 2023. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, podcasting, and so much more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the famous interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.